Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button, that way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. As you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about Omaima Nelson. There really isn't much information I can give you guys without really giving everything away, so we are going to jump right on into it today, but all I can say is buckle up. Omaima Nelson was born in the south of Egypt in 1968. As a young child, she grew up in a very chaotic environment, to say the least. Omaima was surrounded by abuse throughout her entire childhood. Her father was physically abusive towards her mother, and because of that, along with other issues, the two of them got a divorce. After her parents' divorce, Omaima's mom moved her and their family to Cairo, Egypt, more specifically, an area called Cairo Necropolis, or the City of the Dead. The City of the Dead got its name because the residential homes are surrounded by graves of both Cairo's residential population as well as some mausoleums of historical figures. So it's been coined as a very unique place where the living and the dead almost coexist together. Now, like I mentioned, Omaima's upbringing was very tumultuous, it was very chaotic, it was filled with a lot of suffering, and because of this, Omaima had always dreamed of moving to America to start a new life. Now, luckily for her, when Omaima was just under 18 years old, she ended up meeting an American oil worker who was in Egypt at the time for his job. When Omaima met this man, the two immediately hit it off. They started spending lots and lots of time together. They met each other's families, and Omaima's family was in love with this man. They absolutely put him on a pedestal. They loved him for Omaima. They loved the idea of Omaima marrying an American man, and they really wanted the two of them to get married, which ultimately they did. Now, it's safe to say that when Omaima got married at 18 to this older American oil worker, she definitely saw this as her one-way ticket to America. Omaima really saw this as the opportunity that she had been waiting for, and she took full advantage of it. Once the two of them got married, Omaima moved to the United States, specifically in Texas, with her new husband. However, it did not take long for this marriage to crumble and end in divorce. So now, at this point, Omaima is 19 years old, she's newly divorced, and she's living in a brand new country, a country she has dreamed about for years. And as you can imagine, this was a very overwhelming period of her life that she was trying to navigate. She really did not know what she wanted to do or what her next steps were going to be. As far as jobs go, Omaima didn't speak the best English, so it really limited her on what her possibilities could be. At first, Omaima had tried to find different modeling jobs. She also nannied for different families here and there, and she definitely moved around quite a bit. Over the years, she lived in Texas and then made her way onto moving to Orange County, California. 
Now, it also should be noted that another way that Omaima was able to really support herself was through different men. Omaima had a skill for going to different bars and enticing different men. She was a beautiful, beautiful woman, and it did not take long to get a man's attention. She would get their attention, and in doing so, she would also get their financial support. There were many instances throughout Omaima's young adult years where she leaned on different men and different boyfriends to help financially support her, and it was something that she was successful at. So this leads us to one night in October of 1991 when Omaima, who was 23 at this point, went to a bar called Madeline's. It was while at this bar that a man walked in, and this man is named Bill Nelson. Bill Nelson was a 56-year-old pilot at the time. He was known by his friends as having a larger-than-life personality. He was extremely outgoing. He was originally from Texas, which is something that Omaima and him had in common, but Bill definitely made it known that he was from Texas. He drove around in his red Corvette. He always wore his red cowboy boots and his big buckled belt. Some of his friends would even describe him as being a character. He was always trying to entertain people, make people laugh. He was very inviting. He always wanted everyone to have a good time. That was the kind of guy that he was. Now, like I said, Bill Nelson, when he met Omaima, was 56 years old and Omaima was only 23. Now, at the time, Bill had already had five children and 17 grandchildren. He had lots and lots of grandchildren. But from the night that these two first met, they were inseparable. Omaima really liked older men. This is something that she had gravitated towards in the past. She used to tell people all the time that she liked older men older men because she felt that they were nicer to her. She liked the idea of being taken care of. She liked the idea of someone being able to support her and to feel protected by an older man. And Bill really was checking off a lot of these boxes that Omaima was looking for. Bill had told Omaima that he owned a cattle ranch, which was something that really appealed to her. And as far as Bill goes, Bill really liked the idea of having this younger, beautiful woman on his arm. So they were really both benefiting from each other. And after a little less than a month of knowing each other is when Bill and Omaima took their first road trip to go and visit Bill's family. And it was actually on this trip that Bill proposed to Omaima. Now, as you can imagine, Bill's family and friends were definitely a little skeptical of the relationship between the two of them. His children were very protective of him and didn't want him to be with someone who could potentially be taking advantage of him or using him in any way. So it was really tough for his kids to kind of get behind this relationship and support this relationship. However, there was one instance that kind of turned the page for them. They remember on one occasion during their trip, Omaima was riding on a horse and this horse ended up bucking her off. So she flew off of this horse and instead of making a big deal about what had just happened, instead of, you know, making a scene out of what had just occurred, Omaima just asked for a shot of vodka and some ibuprofen and she was good to go. And his kids really liked the fact that she wasn't some diva. She didn't 
didn't seem like a drama queen. She seemed like a strong woman who was able to take care of herself and didn't make this whole scene or show over what had happened to her. Didn't make it into a big deal. She just kept it moving and that really appealed to them. Now, like I said, Bill and Omaima got engaged on this trip and they also got married as well. So now in just about a month's time of knowing each other, they were officially married. So that brings us to Thanksgiving of 1991. Now at this time, Omaima and Bill were living together in his apartment back in Orange County, California. And Thanksgiving Day really started off as any normal day did. Bill spoke to one of his daughters and told her that him and Omaima were having a wonderful Thanksgiving together. They were having a beautiful celebration, a beautiful dinner, and everything seemed fine once they hung up the phone. However, little did they know that that would be the last time that either of them would speak to one another. Do you ever fantasize about who you'd be if you lived somewhere different? Maybe you'd surf if you lived by the beach. Or maybe if you lived in the city, you would live above a coffee shop and finally be able to write that novel you've always dreamed of. Or if you had a dishwasher, maybe you'd actually be able to start cooking and make a proper dinner at home. With over 1 million available units for rent on Apartments.com, the you abilities are endless. Apartments.com lets you narrow down exactly what you want and when you want it. And with their instant alert, you'll never miss out on seeing what could be your new perfect place. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place to live, whether that's an apartment, a townhome, or even a house. And they can help you find exactly what it is that you're looking for. Visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. And this is where a new man comes into the picture. This is when a man named Jose Escoval, who was actually sleeping in his apartment in Orange County at the time, heard a frantic knock at his front door. Now, like I said, Jose was sleeping. However, he looked out the window and saw a red Corvette in the driveway, but didn't recognize the car. So he ended up just going back to sleep. Now, several hours later at about 2 p.m., Jose started walking out his front door, and that is when a very frantic Omaima Nelson ran up to Jose begging for his help. Now, at first, when all of this was happening, everything happened very quickly, and Jose did not even recognize Omaima. He didn't even know who she was at first glance. However, once he was able to get a better look at her, he realized that he actually did know Omaima. About a year prior to this, Omaima and Jose had gone on several dates together. However, they hadn't spoken since, which is why A, he didn't recognize her right away, and B, he thought it was very strange that she was coming to him asking for help. Now, like I mentioned, Omaima was in a very frantic state when she first went up to Jose. So at this time, Jose invites Omaima into his house and sits her down on the couch to try and get a better understanding as to what exactly is going on. When he sits Omaima on the couch, that is when Omaima tells Jose that for the past few days, her husband Bill has been raping, beating, and torturing her. 
Now, as you can imagine, Jose was very confused about this entire situation. He had an ex-girlfriend running up to his door. She's frantic. She's screaming. She's crying. And she's saying that she's been held captive by her husband for several days who has been torturing her and raping her. However, she was able to escape and hit him over the head with a lamp, which ultimately killed him. This was a lot for Jose to process in that moment. And at first, Jose didn't really understand why Omaima was coming to him for help. It didn't really click for him at first. However, he initially thought that the reason that she came to him for help was for him to call the police and tell them what happened and get the police involved in this situation. However, he quickly learned that that was not the case. Once Jose brought up the idea of involving the police, Omaima completely shut him down and went on to tell him that she needs Jose to help her dispose of Bill's body. And at this point, Omaima goes into more detail. She's telling Jose that she already did the hard part of this. She claims that she had already dismembered Bill's body at this point and put his remains into different trash bags. All she needed was Jose's help and Jose's truck to help dispose of these bags. Omaima even tried to bribe Jose, saying that he could have $75,000 that was in Bill's safe, along with two of his motorcycles, if he agreed to help. Now, initially, Jose actually agreed to help Omaima. He said that he would help her, that not to worry, he was going to help her take care of this. All she needed to do was sit in his living room and wait there while he went and gathered his truck and his belongings to help further along this process. So he tells Omaima, you just wait in the living room. I'm going to go get my truck. And Omaima agrees to this. So at this point, Jose grabs his belongings, he walks out the door. However, instead of going to get his truck, Jose ran over to a payphone where he dialed 911 and told the police what had just happened. So now at this point, the police are involved. And as you can imagine, Omaima was very shocked to see the police at Jose's front door rather than Jose coming back to pick up Omaima. So when police walk into Jose's living room, Omaima was definitely caught off guard. Now it was obvious to police just based off of first glance that Omaima had physical injuries to her face, chest, and arms. However, Omaima kept on insisting that she did not need police's help, she did not need medical attention, and she denied everything that Jose said on that 911 call. And not only did Omaima deny what Jose said, she even told police that Bill was not dead and that he was alive and in Florida on a business trip, but that she had no way to get in touch with him. Now, there were a group of officers. There were several officers that were at Jose's house speaking to Omaima at this time. And while several were talking to Omaima, several were also out in the driveway looking at Omaima's car, the red Corvette, which was Bill's. 
Now, while one of the officers was looking through the car, they actually found a small black bag in the passenger seat. And when lifting up the bag, the officer was immediately revolted when he noticed that inside of this bag were human organs. The coroner was called to the scene immediately to confirm, and once he arrived, the coroner was able to confirm that they were in fact human organs, which included human lungs. Now, at this point, it was very clear to police that Omaima was lying and that they officially had a homicide investigation on their hands. So at this point, police arrest Omaima and bring her down to the police station for her first interview. And according to investigators, they claim that this interview lasted four hours long. And during the duration of the interview, Omaima never sat down. They claimed that she was pacing back and forth and taking authorities down a bunch of different tangents. She spoke about herself in the third person for quite some time. She also claimed that she was experiencing different hallucinations. However, throughout the entire four-hour interview, she continuously denied that Bill was dead. During the interview process, Omaima spoke about herself in the third person multiple times, as well as spoke about some different hallucinations that she was experiencing. She also consistently and adamantly denied Bill ever being dead. She claimed that Bill was alive. She claimed she never told Jose that Bill was dead or that she killed Bill and blamed Jose for being on drugs and said that he was unreliable and couldn't be trusted. Now, the thing about this is that Omaima could deny all day long, and she did. She could deny that Jose was lying and that she never told Jose. She could deny that Bill was ever dead to begin with, but she could not deny the human organs that were found in the car. That is the thing that she could not deny, but she did have an explanation for the human organs, and she told police that Bill was the one who was responsible for the bag of organs and claimed that he was a very dangerous man. He'd been involved in different drug charges before and that she was afraid of him. Now, Bill had been to jail on a federal drug smuggling charge after he was caught on a plane with marijuana. But on top of that, Omaima claimed that he had committed far worse crimes as well. She claimed that he was this incredibly dangerous man who had raped multiple women, including herself. She claimed that Bill tied her up and sexually assaulted her multiple times over the course of the two of them knowing each other and their relationship. Now, investigators were not getting anywhere in this interview. They were not making any progress in this interview because Omaima was just denying everything. She was denying Bill being dead. She was denying having any part in any of this. So because of this, police decided that they were going to send Omaima to the hospital to get a sexual assault examination. And when the doctors conducted this examination, they concluded that Omaima had no signs of sexual assault, nor did her injuries indicate a struggle. 
So at this point, police drive over to Bill and Omaima's apartment and they end up kicking the door down. And once they're inside, the one thing that they do notice is a messy apartment. There was clutter everywhere. There was mess everywhere. However, the one thing that they did not find in the apartment was Bill. When they were walking around, they saw different boxes. There was a lot of computer parts hanging around the apartment because Bill was very interested in computer hardware and he liked to build computers. So there was a lot of different equipment there in regards to that. So that was all there was at first glance. However, once police started looking more closely, this is when the puzzle pieces started to come together. When looking closer in the apartment, investigators found small pieces of blood evidence. There was a drop of blood on the doorknob, there was a small patch of blood in the carpet, and there were again multiple of those black trash bags that were found in the Corvette. And when when the bags were opened, there were more human remains discovered. But that was not all. Moving into the kitchen of the apartment, police found human hands in the frying pan that was on the stove. The hands had appeared to be cooked alongside white turkey meat. And then when police opened the freezer, that is when they discovered Bill Nelson's head, his severed head buried underneath other food items. When police removed the head out of the freezer, it was clear to them that Bill's head had also been burned as it had pretty severe burn marks all over it. And police concluded that Omaima had put Bill's decapitated head in a pot of boiling water. Then investigators moved into Omaima and Bill's bedroom, and when they did that, they saw that the mattress was completely soaked with blood. They also saw that the two bedposts at the top of the bed had been broken, and initially, police thought that this could possibly confirm Omaima's story that she had been tied up and raped and tortured by Bill. However, with the large amount of blood that was found soaked into the mattress, it really made police begin to question if the one who was tied up really was Omaima. When police went back into the kitchen and looked at Bill's severed hands and ankles, that is when they discovered a reddish black bruising around the hands and the ankles, proving to them that Bill was the one who had been tied up. And just to give you an understanding about how brutal this crime scene was, multiple authorities claimed that day that this is the most gruesome crime scene that they, to this day, had ever encountered. Now, with these new findings, with finding Bill's severed body parts all throughout the apartment, as well as the doctors confirming that Omaima had no signs of sexual assault, detectives sit down with Omaima for a second time and confront her with this new information. It was in the second interview when Omaima was being spoken to that she cut off the detective and said, quote unquote, 
I have a confession. Omaima went on to say that she knew that Bill was dead and that she was the one that killed him. Now, at first, Omaima claimed that she didn't remember the actual act of killing Bill. She claimed that she blacked out throughout the actual murder. She claimed that on the day that Bill was murdered, she laid down to rest and when she woke up, Bill was dead and his dismembered body Body parts were scattered all throughout the apartment in different trash bags. Now, in terms of why Omaima decided to kill Bill, this is when she told police, quote, something inside of me told me I had to do it like demons, end quote. Omaima went on to say again that she was experiencing hallucinations and that part of her hallucinations were two women who came to her. They were covered in blood and were telling her that Bill had to die. Now, at the end of this particular interview, Omaima told police that she needed to speak with the psychiatrist. She felt like she needed professional help. Now, when confessing all of this to police, police were able to go ahead and book Omaima on a murder charge, and she was sent to the Orange County Women's Jail. Now, at first, police really didn't know what to believe when it came to Omaima. They thought it was very possible that she was just basically crying the insanity plea. They felt like these hallucinations and all of these things that she was talking about could have very well been a part of her ploy to get out of of jail time and to plead insanity. That way she would potentially get a lesser sentence. However, they also didn't know if she was telling the truth either. But regardless, the facts here were the facts. And those facts were that Omaima Nelson murdered Bill Nelson before dismembering his body parts and cooking some of those body parts as well. Now, it was after Omaima was booked into the Orange County Women's Jail that police were able to get more information from the medical examiner in regards to Bill's remains. The first thing was that the medical examiner did conclude that the remains belonged to Bill. He also noted that there were 25 injuries to Bill's skull alone. The coroner had even asked police if this was the first time that Omaima had committed a crime like this because the dismemberment of Bill's body was done very skillfully and professionally. It appeared that this was not Omaima's first time dismembering a body, and not only that, when the medical examiner concluded his examination, he said that there was at least 80 to 100 pounds of Bill Nelson that was still missing. Now, considering Bill's head and hands had been fried, it was not hard for police to theorize what could have possibly happened. Police theorized that Omaima consumed the rest of Bill Nelson's body. Now, coincidentally enough, the case of Jeffrey Dahmer occurred not too long before this murder, and police were starting to question and wonder if this was going to be another Jeffrey Dahmer case, because you have the medical examiner questioning if this was Omaima's first time committing a murder like this, because it appeared to be so professionally done, and then you have this alleged theory that Omaima is consuming and eating 
her victim. And those two things really made police wonder if they were dealing with Jeffrey Dahmer 2.0. Now, there was another possible theory when it came to where the rest of Bill's remains went. And that theory was derived when speaking to a neighbor of Omaima and Bill. When police spoke to this neighbor, he claimed that on that weekend after Thanksgiving, leading up to December 1st, the garbage disposal had been running constantly up until the point that it even broke on the early morning hours of December 1st. Now with the medical examiner questioning if this was Omaima's first attack, police ended up going back into her criminal record and seeing if she had any other charges. Now none of Omaima's charges were ever this extreme, however she did have other arrests on her record. Omaima had been convicted several times of petty theft from shoplifting at different stores and also stealing from ex-boyfriends in the past. Several years before Bill's murder in 1989, Omaima was confronted by two store employees after she had been caught shoplifting at a department store. Now, in response to being confronted, Omaima ended up biting the breast almost completely off of one of the employees that approached her. She was arrested and convicted of shoplifting and battery and sentenced to months in prison. But this is when police learned something else, and this had to do with a man named Robert Hansen. Now, Robert Hansen and Omaima had dated for some time, and they were both pretty much using each other. Robert was using Omaima for sex, and Omaima was using Robert for his money, or at least that is what Robert claims. Now, according to Robert, he claimed that Omaima had lived with him briefly, and during their time together, Omaima had told Robert that she wanted more money. And on one particular instance, when Omaima told Robert this, he responded by almost asking what will you do for me? What do I get out of this? And he was alluding to sexual favors. What is he going to get out of this type of deal? Now, when he told Omaima this, Robert claimed that Omaima told him that she wanted to tie him up. Now, immediately... Robert believed that this was going to lead to sex. He thought that he was going to get a very sexual experience out of this. It was going to be a fantasy, and he was really into the idea. So he consensually agreed to allow Omaima to tie him up. However, it wasn't until after Robert was tied up that Omaima pulled out a gun and pointed it at Robert, demanding more money. Now, luckily, the ties and the restraints on Robert were not tight enough, and Robert was able to get himself free. In the process of doing that, he grabbed the gun from Omaima and kicked her out of the house. He claimed that he didn't call the police because he was embarrassed of what had just happened to him, so he never spoke of it again. However, once he heard about this story with Bill Nelson, that is when he decided to come forward to police. Now, once the police heard about this new information, the prosecution decided that they were going to charge Omaima for this instance as well. So now not only was she being charged with murder, but also assault. So now we are at December 2nd of 1992. So this is almost a year to the day after Omaima was arrested for Bill's murder. 
and this is when the trial began. In the prosecution's opening statement, they detailed how they believed Bill Nelson was tortured prior to his death. Prosecutors theorized that Bill Nelson entered into the bedroom that night for what he believed was going to be a consensual sexual encounter. They believed that Omaima tied Bill to the headboard, and once she did that, she changed gears and threatened Bill, saying that she wanted his money or at least access to it. They believed Bill refused Omaima's requests, which ultimately sent Omaima into a rage and ultimately Bill's murder. The prosecution also stated that the investigators interviewed Omaima and that she had claimed that she had cooked Bill's ribs in the oven and put barbecue sauce on them, and she said that they were sweet, just like she liked them. So allegedly, Omaima did confess to cannibalistic acts in these interviews, is what the prosecution was saying. Now, the defense claimed that while Omaima did murder Bill, she did have a reason to do so. The defense claimed that Omaima acted in self-defense after she had been severely abused by Bill Nelson. The defense also brought up the fact that when Omaima was seven years old, she endured a female circumcision as it is a custom in certain parts of the world. And as a result of this experience, Omaima had struggled with both physical and psychological scars. They also claimed that Bill was aware of the procedure that Omaima went through. And one of the long-lasting symptoms of this procedure and side effects is painful sex. And that even though Bill was aware of this fact, he still abused his power over Omaima in that way. Now, Omaima was interviewed by a psychiatrist who took the stand and said that she found Omaima to be a very soft-spoken and childlike individual. However, she was an equally disturbed young woman. Omaima made claims to her psychiatrist that ancient Egyptians were speaking to her or acting through her, and that included the night that Bill was murdered. She claimed that the night of Bill's murder, she was possessed by ancient Egyptians who were speaking to her, and the voices in her head told her to mutilate Bill's body. And according to the psychiatrist, Omaima told her that these voices were telling her that if Bill's body was mutilated, that he would not go to the afterlife. And Omaima, she wanted to make sure that when she went to the afterlife, Bill would not be there. So she thought by mutilating his body and cutting up his body, she would be able to not have to see Bill in the afterlife, that Bill would not be in the afterlife. That definitely goes against what she was saying in the beginning when she said that she just blacked out and didn't remember any of the murder or any of the dismemberment because now she is saying that she does remember it and she did it because she didn't want to see him in the afterlife. So there are different theories and different reasonings and different motives that are being thrown around here. But again, this is just what the defense was arguing here. Now, Omaima did take Take the stand in her own trial, and she told the jurors that her marriage to Bill turned quickly into. 
into a nightmare. She claimed that she experienced sexual assault from Bill on a daily basis and that he had threatened to kill her several times. Now, again, on the stand, Omaima claimed that she had no memory of dismembering Bill and that the only memory that she has was the next day when she came to and woke up out of this blackout and she found herself surrounded by Bill's remains in these trash bags. So again, a little contradicting when it comes to her saying that she remembers being told that she needs to dismember his body parts and then she's saying that she doesn't remember anything at all. So it is a little contradicting, but both of those theories were stated in court. Now, after closing statements, the jury did take over a week to deliberate on the verdict, but ultimately, Omaima was convicted on the charge of second-degree murder, and she was also found guilty on assault with a deadly weapon for the attack on Robert Hansen, and ultimately was sentenced to 25 years to life. Now, when Omaima went to prison, she actually remarried when she was in prison, and she remarried an elderly man who was very, very wealthy and left her with a lot of money once she died. Omaima has had multiple opportunities for parole. However, each one has been denied. She was eligible for parole in 2006. However, it was denied when commissioners found her a threat to public safety. She became eligible again in 2011, however, was denied a second time. And now she will not be eligible for parole until 2026. So that is where we are at with this case. And I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about it, what your thoughts on this are. Do you believe that this was Omaima's first time ever going through with something like this? Clearly, she was charged on the Robert Hansen assault. So do we believe that she had gone through with something like this prior to that as well? Or do you believe that it was only Bill? Do you believe she would have continued after Bill had she not gotten caught? I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about this one. So let me know in the comments below. But with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Again, if you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit the subscribe button and that way you never miss an episode. Again, we post every single Wednesday and you're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new one for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys. <laughs>